0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Thank you for welcoming me to your service. Uh, And it is, it's good to be back. Pastor Mark is so organized. He asked me uh, back in, I think it was November, October, to to come and preach today, planning this sermon series on Luke. Uh, It's been an emotional service, hasn't it? Like there was the film clip and I felt myself tearing up and, and then there was the, the gift and like, oh, how welcome I felt and how great that is. And then there was the family leaving and it's just been a bit of a roller coaster. I'm, uh, I'm going to add an emotion into that today and I'm just so glad that the children have left because that emotion is Fear. I'm going to talk about a very scary story in Luke today. In fact, it's quite terrifying. See, some people are under the impression that the Gospel of Luke is full of these lovely stories that warm the heart, like the Good Samaritan, Prodigal Son. Do they warm your heart? Yeah. You know, if you spend too long in them, though, you realise they're actually quite chilling stories petrifying stories. Luke's stories are not the sort of stories you want to read before bedtime. Ooh, no, you'd be better off reading a Stephen King novel. (laughs) Watching an episode of Black Mirror. That'd be far less disturbing than this story that we're going to be reading today. But before I get get to our story, just to sort of calm us down a little bit first before we jump into that. I want to tell you about a friend of mine. We lived in California for over 10 years when our boys were little. Oh, I bought my husband today too, by the way, There's Andrew. We've got two boys of our own. Uh, I heard from them this, this morning. One's in Texas at the moment and the other's at home. It's the reason why we were just a smidgen late because my Texan son decided that he would phone us just as we were walking out the door. So, yeah, we lived over in California for about 10 years and uh, there was this woman there named Cheska and she had a little girl the same age as my youngest son and we met in gym kids' class one day. Well, Cheska was one of those people that you just felt comfortable with the first time you ever met her. She was that sort of person that when she invites you around to her, her house, you know it's okay to put your feet up on the coffee table. Do you know the sort of person that I'm talking about? Yep. She just made people feel loved. She's just friendly, easygoing, generous. And the thing that I admired most about her was that she had this ability to gather stray people Uh, she just had this really eclectic group of friends, people who came from all over the world. There were some married, some single, older, younger people and people of just diverse ethnicities. They just had one thing in common and that was they were all foreigners to the US. And so they didn't have any family living by. So Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, you could be sure that Cheska and her husband Ross would have a crowd at their house and we spent some some of those Christmases and Easter's together with them. Just a great hospitable couple, kind of salt of the earth people. Do you know people like that? Is, does anybody um, want to tell us about someone in their life who's, who's a little bit like that? Just because I see you nodding you're like yeah 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 have you got someone you know like that people in this church like that, church like that. Leanne and Bob, Bob. soul of the earth sorry who else yeah okay yep. Yeah. yeah so you, you know you know the sort of people I'm talking about don't you yeah well I told you that story to uh, tell you this one now I know that you can't read this it's just a whole bunch of text up there that's okay you don't have to read it I'm going to read it Uh, you'll see why the the fine prints there in a moment this is the story from Luke chapter 7 now one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the town, a sinner, knowing that Jesus was dining at the Pharisee's house and bringing an alabaster jar of perfumed oil and standing behind him at his feet, weeping unceasingly, she began to drench his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair and kissing them and anointing them with the perfumed oil. And seeing, the Pharisee who had invited Jesus said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner, And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Simon replied, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 silver coins and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, and so he graciously cancelled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled Jesus said to him you have judged rightly then turning toward the woman he said to Simon do you see this woman I came into your house you did not give me water for my feet but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair you did not give me a kiss of greeting, but from the time I entered she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfumed oil. Therefore I tell you her sins which were many are forgiven. Thus she loved much. But the one who is forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? He said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What's interesting about this story is that it's a story told twice once through the eyes of Simon, and then through the eyes of Jesus. The first part tells what happens from Simon's perspective. So I invited Jesus to dine with me and my guests, and there we were enjoying our meal. And when suddenly, out of nowhere, this woman appears, she's on her own. She has no male chaperone. I knew who she was a sinner. A lady from the town, if you know what I mean. You would not believe what she did. She'd brought her jar of perfume with her. You know, the one that women like that need to make themselves smell good and cover up their stench. She comes in as brazen as anything and she walks straight over to Jesus. And she starts doing the most shameful things you wouldn't believe it she lets down her hair in public in public in front of us all she lets it swing seductively over her shoulder she was weeping she wouldn't stop it's the most inappropriate display of emotion I've ever seen tears are just streaming down her face dripping onto Jesus feet drenching them completely and then She leans down and she starts wiping his feet with her hair. Touching his feet in the most erotic way. She starts kissing them. She starts kissing his feet. My guests are respectable people. We didn't know where to look. Do you know what Jesus bar Joseph did? Nothing. Absolutely nothing nothing he just lay there and let her kiss his feet over and over again as if this sort of thing happens to him all the time and then she breaks off the top of her jar of perfume expensive stuff that is and she pours it all over his feet like literally pours it and he just let her do it some prophet he is You wouldn't think it would take much prophetic insight to know what sort of woman she was. He must be blind. The whole scene, it was disgusting. And no thought for my reputation. I I felt dishonoured in front of my own guests. Wish I'd never invited him. And Jesus, he brought dishonour on himself. He's not coming back to my house. He let a shameless sinner touch him. Well, that's what happened, according to Simon. Andrew and I went out for lunch one day with some friends. The whole meal was just a disaster. We were there for like 20 minutes before anybody came to take our order. And then another hour went by before anybody's food arrived. And then the food didn't arrive all at once. One person's meal arrived and then 10 minutes later someone else's food arrived and by the time the last person got their food, everyone else at the table had finished theirs. Do you remember that day? Yep. And it was hot. Oh, it was so hot. We were sitting outside and there was no shade. It really wasn't a very good time at all. That's that's my recollection. Is that your recollection? yep. Yep. But you know, several weeks later, I was talking to my friend who had been there, and she was reminiscing what a lovely time it had been. Like, we'd had this great conversation, it was so good to catch up, and she'd always wanted to go to that cafe. And I was baffled like, are we talking about the same event? Because that is not what I remember. And that's kind of what happens here. See, we've heard Simon's version of the meal, but now Jesus tells a different version. The second part of the passage tells us what happens from Jesus' perspective. So, Simon invited me to dinner and I accepted his kind invitation, but when I arrived, he ignored me. He was a terrible host. No servant came to wash my feet. Simon didn't even supply me with water so I could wash my own feet. He didn't give me a kiss of greeting. He didn't welcome me at all. He didn't anoint my head with olive oil as is the custom. Nothing. He just ignored me. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this woman appears. She is the most extraordinary host. She generously provides me with water to wash my feet. And, you know, it wasn't just water pulled from the well. No, she used her own precious tears. And then she dried my feet, not with some dirty old cloth, but with her own hair. She gives me a kiss of greeting Not a customary peck on the cheek. No, she kissed my feet and she kept on kissing them. And if that wasn't enough, she anointed me and not with that little standard dab of olive oil on my forehead. No, she brought expensive perfume and lots of it. She was splashing it over my feet lavishly until the whole room just filled with the sweet-smelling oil. I have never come across a more generous host. She certainly showed up Simon. Remember my friend Cheska? She was at my house one day and she made this passing comment about her first marriage before going on to talk about something else. Well I'd known her for years by this time and I'd never known that Ross wasn't her first husband. And I said, hang on, wait, wait, what? I-, I didn't know you'd been married before. And she told me her story. She was married, Ross was married, both to other people. Neither marriage was going particularly well. Jessica and Ross were work colleagues And they became close to each other and they ended up having an affair. After cheating on their spouses for some time, they both divorced and they married each other. Not quite meeting my eye, Cheska finished a story with, So you see, Denise, I was the other woman. Well, I've wondered over the years if I'd known that about Cheska before I really got to know her? Would I have seen her differently? Because I'd always thought of Cheska as my friend, the kind and generous host. But if I'd known her story to start with, would she have been defined in my mind as my friend who cheated on a husband? Would I have classified her? categorised her? Would I have judged her with that one piece of information? Would I have viewed her through that lens and missed all of the other aspects of who she was? I wonder if I would have truly seen Cheska. I don't know. The turning point of the story in Luke 7 comes in Jesus' question to Simon. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? Because Simon thought he could see the woman. It even says that. He saw her actions. He saw her washing Jesus' feet with her, hair, with her tears and wiping them with her hair. And seeing, the Pharisee said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would see who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him. That she's a sinner. But it turns out she hadn't, he hadn't seen her at all. He saw her actions and he misinterpreted them because of his judgment of her as nothing more than a sinner. Remember, I said. How scary this story is. Here's the truly scary part of the story. His judgment of the woman causes him to misjudge Jesus. Jesus can't possibly be a prophet if he's letting that kind of woman touch him. He failed to see who Jesus was Because he failed to see who the woman was. And why did he fail to see who the woman was? Because he failed to see who he was. Jesus tells a parable. The story within the story. It's the middle bit. And this shows us how Jesus saw Simon. And Jesus answered him. Of course, Simon hadn't actually said anything out aloud, had he? So what was Jesus answering? Well, Jesus sees Simon. He sees his unspoken thoughts. You see, you can't hide from Jesus seeing who you are. Jesus is answering Simon's unspoken judgment of the woman. Of course, Simon doesn't realise that. He doesn't realise he's being set up here. Simon, I have something to say to you, says Jesus. Simon replied, say it, teacher. And Jesus does. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One of them owed 500 silver coins and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay, so he graciously cancelled the debts of both. Now, which will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt cancelled. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. You feel a bit sorry for Simon, don't you? I mean, he's just incriminated himself here by his own words. You see, both Simon and the woman are debtors the size of their debt may be different but neither can possibly pay what they owe to god the difference is that the woman has recognized her debt and recognized jesus as the one who can release her from that debt poor simon he doesn't even recognize that he has a debt He's blind to the reality of his own situation. He doesn't recognise that actually there's not a whole lot of difference between him and the woman. But because he places himself in a different category to her, he fails to see her in the same way that Jesus does. And so he fails to see who Jesus is. Now, do you see why I get scared about this story? This is a terrifying story because of the questions that it confronts me with. Do I see people? Do I really see who they are? Or do I, like Simon, judge people? by their actions, by first impressions, by their social skills or lack thereof? Do I judge people by what they look like, by the clothes they wear, by the company they keep, by what they do to earn money? Do I put people into a different category to the one that I think I belong to? Do I regard others as sinners as if I'm not because if I have any of that in me then I am in grave danger of not seeing who Jesus is of not understanding what he was on about of not recognizing his love and compassion for people of not seeing the value that he sees in people Somehow we've got to figure out how to see people. We've got to figure out how to see them through Jesus' eyes. How to look past our first impressions. How to look past what we see on the outside and try to get a glimpse of the person that Jesus sees. Simon's error was failing to see that he and the woman were really not that different. He failed to see... The woman because he failed to see his own self-righteousness. I am a flawed human being just like everybody else. Yes I'm a child of God, I know Jesus, I have the spirit of God to guide me and do you know what? I've got a really stable marriage. We've been married for 32 years now. I've got two sons who in spite of our parenting, seem to have turned into quite remarkable, young, mature men. I reckon I scrub up pretty well. But you give me a screaming toddler, or a difficult boss, or an obnoxious neighbour, you throw in a few weeks of sleep deprivation Or some chronic pain or ongoing stressful situation and I'll show you just how flawed I am. I'm just as imperfect as those who have more visible flaws. None of us have any reason to consider ourselves better than anybody else. We're all debtors who cannot pay what we owe. And we share that dire situation with all of humanity thanks be to God for cancelling our debt where would we be without the mercy of God in Luke 4 Jesus tells us why he came he said it was to proclaim good news to the poor and release to captives it was to proclaim the regaining of sight to the blind You know what's weird though it's a strange thing if you read all the way through luke from beginning to end you'll only find one account of a blind man being healed and that's the blind beggar known in the other gospels as bartimaeus but do you know he wasn't actually so blind because he could see exactly who jesus was even before his eyes were opened Son of David, he cried, have mercy on me. He saw exactly who Jesus was. Maybe because he recognised his own desperate need for mercy. No, he wasn't the blind one that Jesus was talking about back in Luke 4. He's not the blind one in Luke's gospel. The way that Luke tells it, the people who are blind are religious people the ones who teach scriptures to others, the ones who are very confident in their understanding of God, who've got God all figured out, who are very sure about who God approves of and who God doesn't approve of. In Luke's gospel, it's those who exclude others because of their shameful sin, without recognising that the sin of self-righteousness goes against the very heart of the gospel and that's why Luke's gospel is a terrifying terrifying gospel and every time I read it I get a little bit more uh, apprehensive so I'm wondering if you will pray with me as I think through Luke's gospel oh God you have brought down the mighty from their thrones and lifted up the lowly you have filled the hungry with good things and have sent the rich away empty. O God who resists the proud, O God who gives grace to the humble, would you grant us a holy fear of arrogance and self importance? Would you help us to be merciful, to be gracious, to be uncontaminated with the sin? of placing ourselves above others. O Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.